I think that for the first time in the last 25 years, China is now on its back foot. Whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, the... Do you think this is a lot because of him? Oh, absolutely. This is Swarfcast. I'm Noah Graff, here with my co-host Lloyd Graff. Today, we're reflecting on the machining industry in 2018 through the lens of what went right and what went wrong for Graff Pinkert in today's machining world. We're also going to throw out some predictions for 2019. Today's podcast is brought to you by Graff Pinkert. Looking for a screw machine, rotary transfer machine, or CNC machine? Graff Pinkert's got you covered. When you're buying any used machine, you're taking a risk. So it's important to buy from someone who knows their stuff and who is going to give you straight information about what you're buying. Graf Pinkert is a family-owned firm that's been dedicated to selling great machine tools to the turn parts industry for 75 years. It specializes in the top multi-spindle brands, including Index, Schutte, Gildemeister, Tornos, ZPS, Acme, and Wickman. They also sell a variety of other types of used equipment, such as CNC Swiss, CNC turning centers, and parts washers. Machine tools are complicated. If you're going to buy one, you should go to people who are knowledgeable and committed to the industry. Learn more at www.graffpinkert.com. That's www.graffpinkert.com. Hey everybody, today we're going to do a show, Just Us, no special interview, kind of like the first two shows we did. We want to look back at 2018, check out the highlights and some of the lowlights, and then uh, talk a little bit about what we're expecting for 2019. So Dad, um, started off, what were some of the things, uh, some of the highlights of 2018 for you as far as business and uh, personal as well? Well, from a personal standpoint, I think the highlight for me is you getting married, Noah, in August and uh, planning for it and the excitement uh, uh, leading up to it. And uh, It, It was an amazing party, too, I have to say. It was the best wedding I've ever been to. But, I mean... It, yeah, it was an, a monumental event. Did you think that that would ever happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, before you met Stephanie, I really feared that it would not happen. And then when you did meet her, I just hoped and prayed that it would happen. And You figured if anybody was going to be the one, it would be her. Absolutely. Uh, the way you two... Uh, connected and the wonderful energy that Stephanie has and you have with her. Uh, Thank you. I just... uh, She loves you, too. (laughs) It was wonderful. As far as the business, what struck you as a real growth point or or just something that that really helped make our year? I think what struck me was connecting the dots and our success at connecting the dots uh, we truly built the business this year through our intellectual property and not uh, through the 
refurbishing of equipment, uh, the nuts and bolts business, which has been the heart of our business for so many years. This has been the year when our knowledge really was converted into dollars, and it was also the year that our conventional business really laid an egg, except for the spare parts. Yeah, the spare parts actually was the best it's been in in uh, many, many years, wouldn't you say? Yes, and I think what it told us was that people are spending money to refurbish their cam machines, uh, particularly their Wickman machines, uh, but they're reluctant to invest significant money in adding new capacity in cam multi-spindles. Yeah, and we talked to somebody today who uh, goes around and rebuilds people's machines, and he was super busy. So it appears that uh, people with Wickmans, they just they like their Wickmans, they're using them, but they aren't necessarily interested in buying something brand spanking new now. So that's or, or refurbished. Uh, th- right, may they, may be, they may be buying the new Wickmans, the CNC Wickmans, but mm-hmm. a refurbished Wickman, uh, you know, we sold some. Yes. But um, not as many as we would have hoped. Uh, I saw, you know, one of our big bright spots was the CNC multi-spindles. Um, we sold many index MS32s. We sold some MS42s, got several of them, uh, some in the spring, and then just sold two now. Um, and uh, I think that's going to be a big growth in the future. Um, CNC Schuttas, CNC, oh, we sold a CNC Gildemeister, a GMC35. That was a nice deal. Um, so I think that's a growth. And and the interesting thing is that uh, the legacy Hydromat business uh, has been disappointing this year. And I think that uh, and despite the fact that there's a lot of Hydromats running and uh, they're, they tend to be very busy and people are buying uh, new heads and uh, spare parts. and So do you think it's sort of a similar concept as the cam, the cam multi-spindles? I do, and I think this is why uh, Bruno Schmitter at Hydromat is uh, bringing out the new Eclipse model because they are fearful that uh, people spending a million and a half, two million dollars for legacy machines may be going away. Yeah, well, they're not selling legacy machines. Yes, they are. They're selling rebuilt legacy machines. But even the Epic machine uh, at uh, maybe a harder sell today, and this is why they're looking for the full CNC with the Eclipse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we need to do an interview with Bruno to find out what the difference is between the Eclipse and the Epic. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of our big growths, you've been really taking the helm on this, is um, brokering the sale of companies. What, do you, what, what is uh, your take from this year on that? First of all, I'm gratified that people uh, ask me to help them sell 
what has been their life's work, and in many cases, more than one generation's life's work. And this has been exciting for me. I've learned a lot so far about uh, valuations on companies. Well, why don't, you, why don't you take it back? Tell exactly what we are doing for people that don't know. What we are doing is connecting the dots again, finding sellers, finding buyers, or buyers finding uh, us, or sellers finding us, and us finding what they are looking for, whether it be a buyer or a seller for their company. But I think that what I'm attempting to bring is my knowledge of the industry, both to find that company or to find that person, but also to make sure that there's uh, a congruency, that there's a potential uh, synchrony uh, as far as the companies go, that that when the companies get together and the managements get together, that the people can get along and that they'll end up with an entity that's better than what they have today. Right, and the key is that you know these people personally after decades. In many cases, that's true. And that, again, is so gratifying and exciting uh, for me is not just to sell uh, the iron, but to sell the intellectual property, to sell uh, the business and what people have built, which is greater than the value of the iron. What do people say when you call them up and you ask them if they're interested in selling their business? Now, I've often suggested that you approach people as, are you looking to expand? Are you looking to buy a business? But which to me puts a more positive spin on it uh, when you're approaching someone. But you've actually called people and asked them, uh, have you considered selling your business, right? I have. But and, it, and have people had a bad reaction when you said that? They have not, which has surprised me, actually. Yeah, to me, I would think, oh, really? You, you th- what do you think? You think I'm hurting right now? What do you, you know... They, they might take it as a stab to their business. Sometimes they say, no, I'm not selling, I'm looking to buy. And other times they say, you know, I've been thinking about it, but I haven't, been re- I haven't reached that point. But often people call me out of the blue and say, Lloyd, uh, would you be interested in marketing my business? Do you think you might know of a buyer for it? Do you think you might know of a company... Uh, that could take us to the next level. Uh, do you think you can find me a buyer that's greater than the value of my machinery? You know, I had always looked at companies as basically a package of machinery, but now to look at them uh, in a different way as uh, as a human entity, as an entity with a future uh, and a past that has value mm-hmm. uh, is fascinating and uplifting. And it doesn't take buying iron. It's that basically is, just uh, That what, is another beauty of it, uh, and that is uh, I can remove myself from the speculator's hat and look at these businesses as viable going entities, uh, human enterprises, uh, enterprises that are more than a bunch of numbers or more than 
uh, a pieces of iron. Yeah, well, we definitely should do a show exclusively about this because it's really uh, it's an important part of our business at Graf Pinkard, and it's an important trend that's going on in the industry. You've got baby boomers, yes, and uh, and then at the same time, you know, baby boomers that don't have kids that want to take over, and then you have people that business is really hot and they want to keep growing and they want to expand. So it's a very intriguing time we're in. Listeners, do you have an idea for a future episode of Swarfcast? Or is your company interested in advertising on the Swarfcast podcast? If so, please send us an email at swarfcastpodcast at gmail.com. That's Swarfcast podcast at gmail.com. What, what have you found to be the most exciting part of the past year, and what are you looking forward to? As far as Graf Pinkert, I'd say uh, getting to sell the CNC multi spindles, travel. Haven't actually traveled, traveled a lot at the beginning of the year. Did some yeah, did some deals in Spain, uh, did some deals in Europe. We bought a machine in Japan. That was cool. We bought a Kotako in Japan. And, yeah, I see a lot of the same things as intriguing as you um, doing the business brokering. Uh, and, of course, the Swarfcast, the podcast. This is our 23rd or 24th episode um, Our new baby. Yeah, and I think it's it's growing. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not um, an empire yet, but we're getting a niche of followers. It's pretty cool when we sometimes we talk to people about a machine and they say they know it and they listen to it. Many readers say, "No, I just want to read something. I don't want to listen to the podcast." They don't realize that you can listen to podcasts in parts. Uh, you don't have to, you know, listen to an hour at a time. I think they just don't get it. They haven't gotten that the trend yet. Some of them will change. Some of them won't. And we just have to find more listeners. But that's been really exciting to me. And you mentioned earlier we've been selling uh, to other countries now. We've been selling to India for the first time. We sold a Bufali to India. We sold uh, some Wickmans, some Davenports, and we had maybe we'd sold to India what, ten years ago or something once. Once, yes, one package of three rebuilt uh, Wickmans. But other than that, I don't think we've ever had a deal with India. And this year we've had three, and uh, not on necessarily on the machines that we would have expected, except for the old Wickmans that uh, were sort of. Uh, the common denominator of uh, right. other deals. With but the Bufali, uh that was quite interesting. Um, we had a good customer here who was selling it, and we advertised it, and we found somebody in India that had just about the exact same part as uh, the one on this machine. It was, it was pretty cool. As far as 2019... What are you, what are you seeing as growing? What is, what, what new things 
are you looking forward to? Well, I think the movement of business back from China is the big story, potentially, mm-hmm. of 2019. Yeah, we've been talking to several companies talking about that. Yeah, I think that for the first time in the last 25 years, China is now on its back foot. Whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, the... Do you think this is a lot because of him? Oh, absolutely. Um, This is uh, Trump finally uh, calling a spade a spade regarding the Chinese and the Chinese theft of intellectual property over the past 25 years, the buildup of uh, industry in China, and uh, the one-way path of manufacturing and manufacturing jobs to China. And now, all of a sudden, you're seeing big companies, medium-sized companies who've invested heavily in China, now say uh, our supply lines are too long and uh, having so much of our so much of our manufacturing in china with uh, the possibility of tariffs and with the possibility of other disruptions between the us and china we can no longer afford to have so many of our eggs in that basket and also american manufacturers become more efficient and the price differential between China and the United States has shrunk or become non-existent. At the same time, you have Elon Musk, uh, Tesla building a, a company in China, and you have some of the relaxation of the rules in China, right, as far as uh, you don't have to give them a piece of your intellectual property moving there. Is that a reaction as well to... Well, first of all, do you believe that? I mean, the basically, the Chinese industry has been built on the theft of intellectual property from wherever they can find it. Uh, this is the way life has been structured uh, as far as the industrial economy, the uh, techno- technological economy of China. Yeah. And even even if stuff is coming back from here, they're still growing. I mean, they're still... They're still growing because their market is huge internally and throughout the world. Uh, and... And the quality keeps going up. I mean, it's amazing when you look at all the machine tools made there. Now Tornos makes their machines in China, a lot of them. Uh, Wickman is making some machines in China. We were talking to somebody about that today. Their quality has improved. I mean, we wonder if uh, China is a recreation of Japan during the 1980s. You know, in Japan, with the Japanese challenge to American industry, we thought the uh, Japanese were unassailable, that they were taking over the world. Well, something happened. Uh, after the uh, great build-out of the 1980s in Japan. And Japan did not take over the world. Japan ended up retrenching. Uh, Japan, as an industrial powerhouse, uh, has basically been static over the past 25 years as China has moved up. Um, 
Now, the conventional wisdom has been that China will be the dominant uh, world power in manufacturing, and that also may be a myth that is beginning to uh, crumble in 2018-2019. Remember, the Chinese also have industries that are extremely uncompetitive, that are being propped up by the government. Like steel? Like steel. Steel is the perfect example. These are extremely inefficient and overbuilt industries that can only continue to stay open, many of these mills, because of uh, the government is subsidizing them. Mm-hmm. As China also has taken on enormous debt. And we talk about debt here. I didn't realize they had debt. I thought they had a surplus, a budget surplus. No, they have taken on enormous debt. They have a trade surplus. They don't have a budget surplus. When did they start being in debt? A I long don't, time ago? Yes. In order to finance this uh, massive expansion in industry and other things, uh, they've subsidized so many industries and borrowed to do it. Their financial structure, their banks, in many cases, are in bad shape. But I thought we were, we were borrowing from them. Is that the case as well? Yes, they do own a lot of American treasuries. There's no question about that. That does not mean that they are not highly leveraged and uh, carrying a great amount of debt. And their uh, grand plans for becoming the number one power economically by 2025, or at least on a par with America, now are definitely uh, being rethought in China. It's going to be very interesting. That's, that's their stated goal, that they want to be yeah. on par with the economy in the United States in 2025? Mm-hmm. Meaning what? Their wages would be the same or no, the no. size of their economy? Size of their economy. Interesting. Well, I am excited about 2019. I am grateful to have lots of things in my life. One of the things I really did a lot of in 2018, I've been trying to be grateful about more things. I have a morning ritual where first I, uh, I meditate for about 10 minutes and then I write a list of things I'm grateful for. You know, often they're the same, uh, similar things every day. My wife, waking up in a warm house, good air, good food, feeling good mentally and physically. And um, that's been something that's been really important to me. Now, I, if I don't do that during the day, I often feel like something is missing. So, yeah, I'm grateful to be going into 2019. I think we've got some good momentum. I think part of the key is to just keep perspective and be grateful with how things are going. Uh, As much as you want to be ambitious about the future, you have to be grateful for what you have right now. Well, I'll second that. And uh, yes, I'm strongly into gratitude. In some respects, I never expected to live to this date, uh, having... uh, 
survived uh, congestive heart failure. Yeah, 10th and- 10th anniversary. Yeah, so this was a major major year for me just celebrating that 10th anniversary uh, since the heart attack and you know barely surviving having quadruple bypass. Do you feel surgery. 74? You turned 74 yesterday. You know, I have no idea what that means, but I feel, honestly, I feel better than I probably have felt in 20 years. And, I mean, I find this absolutely amazing. and uh, Physically or mentally or both? I'm talking about physically and probably mentally, too. Uh, you know, I still feel like I'm on top of my game. Maybe uh, I'll miss a name occasionally <laughs> that I, I thought I should remember and don't remember. But... Um, I'm happy with my writing. I think this keeps me sharp, uh, uh, and I'm happy to be doing the podcast with you, again, doing new things, and and working with uh, selling businesses is also challenging and uh, giving me uh, sort of a new enterprise to make my working days even more interesting. Uh, And to be able to work and to do exciting things at 74 is such a blessing Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't forget it and I'm conscious of it every day that I get to work. I may uh, get caught up in uh, the miseries of a particular day uh, seized by fear at times but on the whole I feel enormously grateful for my life, for my wife, for my family, for my children, uh, for the business, to be able to work, to be able to get to be with you. You know, what could be better? Hey, everybody. First, we just want to thank you for listening to the podcast. It boosts our egos. And of course, your ears are the reason we do this. But it would be great if you could subscribe and leave a review, as it'll help other people discover it. Talk to you soon.